Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host Sandra Beck. Hey mamas, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Sharon Silver of ProactiveParenting.net. Now this is the third episode in a four-part series about proactive parenting and I think that this is one of the most important preteen or teen parenting shows you will ever listen to or like in this case today's episode is about consequences and so these are things that you can start setting when the kids are toddlers and, and work this through but Wherever you are in the parenting spectrum, don't be uh, off-put because you didn't implement some of these things earlier. One of the things that happens when I do these shows with Sharon Silver, and I think we've done like, I don't know, four or five, six of them, hour-long shows, is every time I learn something and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I knew that when. I wish I knew that when. But I can tell you, you can start implementing these things now at any age, and they work. And some of these things... The parenting tips that she gives also help me not only as an aunt, as an uncle or a brother or sister, but also in a romantic partnership. You know, we just did a show about arguing. You're going to want to look it up on iTunes at Military Mom Talk Radio, Motherhood Talk Radio. You can find the arguing show there also on TogiNet. Um, The show about arguing helped me understand my relationship with my ex-husband. It uh, it helped me understand my relationship with my current love interest. It helped me understand my relationship with my kids, why I argue, why they argue. A lot of these are profound parenting relationship truths. They're not just uh, to help you be better parents. They also help you be better in your relationships and better in your relationship with your siblings. You know, there's so many gems that come out of here whenever I get together with Sharon Silver. And here I am, you know, a host of a motherhood show, been on for eight years, and I get out my pen and paper and I write down the languaging that Sharon uses so that when I'm confronted with this parenting challenge, I can just borrow her words until they become my own. So that's kind of like my best practices. So grab your pen and paper. You're going to want to take some notes. So you're going to want to share this episode with your co-parent, your parenting partner, or your spouse, Um, or in my case, your parents, because I live in a multi-generational household after my mom died. My father came to live with us, and he does do some of the co-parenting in my household because I'm a single mom. So very, very interesting, all the different dynamics that uh, we have in our families. And today's show is about consequences. And I am a big believer in consequences, uh, Sharon, because if you don't clean your room, bad things happen. If you pee in my fireplace, bad things happen. (laughs) Um, These are just some of the very natural things that have happened in my household. But 
you know, consequences. And I have boys, so the girl, you know, a girl didn't pee in my fireplace, but boys certainly do. They have that fire hose, and they think it's great at different ages to pee on everything. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Sandra, you just slay me. But thank you so much for that wonderful and warm welcome. I am very grateful. And, you know, I, I will agree with you 100%. Parenting is a wide range of information and experiences, but the goal is truly how do you how do you create whole, healthy human beings? So a lot of this that you learn in parenting is applicable to relationships, to siblings, to partners, um, to, to coworkers. There are a lot of times when I go into corporations and I talk to people about parenting and always they come up and they say, you know, I can apply this to my own staff. And it's like, yes, you can, because these are real, um, these are real ideas. They are, they are solutions that apply to your daily life. They're not basically, they're not just psychological theory. This is the how to, and that's what's most important to me. Um, so many people out there are espousing psychological theory, my question was, okay, that's really great, and I agree with that, but how do I do it? So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you consequence? Well, and you know, consequences are a natural part of our choices. And I think as a parent, we have to manufacture consequences, or as a manager, you know, we man we we manufacture consequences for certain behaviors. You know, at work, if you're if you you tell the boss your client has a million dollar arm and a ten cent head, guess what? You get written <laughs> up and almost fired. That's a true story. Um, I was working in residential real estate at the time and taking around a very famous baseball pitcher. And um, there's consequences to our behavior in the workplace. And I think all adults understand it to a greater or lesser extent. You don't go to work, you don't get paid. You sass off to the boss or you insult a client, you get fired. But when you're a toddler or an elementary school age, or a middle schooler, or a high schooler. Like, I look at the way the school system's divided up in my neighborhood, and I'm like, boy, they really hit some some developmental targets there, because I've noticed big transitions when my children have left elementary and gone into middle, or right now we're approaching middle going into high school. And you know, consequences are are different. And here's the thing, Sharon, you know, I've got my 84 year old dad living with me, I'm, you know, middle aged, and my kids are teen and preteen. So we're really hitting some big generation gaps. And the consequences that my dad laid down, for me are not appropriate today. I think that's right there. I want to stop you and say that is absolutely key because consequences were all originally used as an alternative to punishment and to spanking. That's where consequences came from. Um, But these days, consequences are a new form of punishment. And if you were to do a simple exercise where you swapped out the word consequence for spanking, you'll see what I mean. So we say to kids all the time, do you want a consequence or you're going to get a consequence for that? That's basically a threat. Either you change your behavior, you're going to get a consequence. What if you substitute the word spanking in there? It would be the same thing. Do you want a spanking? You're going to get a spanking for that. The truth is consequences. You're right. There is a consequence for everything you do. And, you know, being in the position you are with a middle schooler and and high schooler and your aging father, that puts you in what's called the sandwich generation. 
So you have to, you only have an, a, so much energy and bandwidth. The truth is that what the goal of consequences is, is to release your children to themselves bit by bit. It's so important and it's a huge concept. Let me say it again. The goal of parenting actually, and consequences are a function of it, is to release your children to themselves bit by bit. So how do you do that? Well, you want to use what's called a learning consequence, not a punitive consequence. There is a huge difference. In our society today, a punitive consequence is I'm going to take away a prized possession of yours for doing what you did. There's no relatability to what the child did. Okay, we know about natural consequences. But when you construct a natural consequence or what I call a learning consequence, there are predictable steps that need to be taken. So your child actually has to physically get in there and be part of the solution, physically go and apologize, really unearth how the other person might feel so they can gain some empathy. These are really key points that need to be part of a consequence. And these days, they are not. For the most part, it's give me your cell phone. You're out, you can't have TV. That's, you know, that's what people are doing. And it's not releasing the child to themselves bit by bit so that they can dig deep and figure out, oh my God, I better not do that because here's what's happened. It's, it costs me more to do what I'm going to do than if I don't do it. And that's what you want. You want them to think about it because the brain is not fully um, flushed out with logic until the age of 25. So teenagers are still making really um, impulsive mistakes. And that's what scares us about teenagers. Well, and, and you know, you talk about impulsive mistakes. Um, when you don't, teach your kids to think like one of the things I learned long ago is like I need to teach my kids to think because they are not in my care they're only in my care 50% of the time so teaching them to think their way out of situations is vital and you know my mom and dad were big thinkers they they would be like well Sandra what do you think what do you think you would do in this scenario or what do you think would happen? And that to me was such a powerful question that I would ask my kids all the time, like, oh, you're going to pee in the fireplace? What do you think is going to happen after that? You know, because getting them to take that next step, I think is something that they don't master till they're older, but you can certainly lay the groundwork. Yeah, you know, um, you have to lay the groundwork. You have to give them a framework that they can dive deep in and access. And you always want to keep in mind, um, this is a really great quote that I love from Dr. Phil. It says, when you're trying to change someone's behavior, it's always best to profess faith in their competence than trash his incompetence. So it's about reframing where you put the attention. It's like, okay, it's a given. You're not an idiot. You know that what you did didn't work and that there's going to have to be a consequence as a result. But the bottom line is I want to prop you up. I want to empower you. I want you to see you were capable of making a different choice, but you didn't. Well, and that's a big one. Like, you know, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about both consequence and choice because they go hand in hand. And I think a lot of times 
kids feel they have no other choice or they haven't been given a choice. And the process of choosing is actually a skill. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get back from the break. We're here today with Sharon Silver. Her website is proactiveparenting.net. She's got lots of great programs and parenting materials. So you're going to want to check her out. There are also other episodes in this series about yelling and arguing. And we deconstruct some of these behaviors that are so destructive to families and relationships. And we're going to help you put your family back on track or make sure that your parenting and your kids have as great an experience as possible. We'll be back after the break with Sharon Silver of ProactiveParenting.net. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's words you've never heard. A few years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought the 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, 
Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Sharon Silver of ProactiveParenting.net, and today's topic is consequences, and it was so cool to talk about the use of the word consequences. One of the words that I use in my household, Sharon, and I love your thought on it, and you know, I learned a lot of my parenting from my dad, and he was military, so we've got a lot of, you know, put up and shut up in our our vocabulary. Um, but I've also learned a lot in my management training over my corporate career um, and my leadership training with the military work that I do. So um, it's interesting. I like to use the word outcome with my kids because consequences sometimes, especially with my older one, the consequence has a negative connotation and he really does identify consequence with punishment. Mm-hmm. And so recently I've been using the word outcome. Like, you know what, if you, if you make these two different choices or three different choices, um, and we do get our conversations like to and from the gym, um, in the car, cause that's like a captive audience and they can't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> it's like a caged animal. Uh, mm-hmm. but when we talk about consequences or what I use as the word outcome recently, um, we always get back to choice. We choose our behavior. We choose our reaction. We choose what to say. We choose our words. And, you know, I kind of beat the drum in my household about choices. And I wanted to share you a funny story. When I was little growing up, you know, we had a big family, country family. And, um, if we did go out to dinner, which was very rare, um, we didn't order drinks because that was an unnecessary expense. And I know my mom didn't want us having soda or, you know, things like that, but, you know, drinks were, were off the table. And it was funny because when I went on my first real big girl date in college, this wasn't like a chaperoned high school date. This was a big girl date. You know, you get dressed up, you get picked up, you go to a nice restaurant. (laughs) And my date asked me, what did I want to drink? And I I had to ask the lady, well, what do you have? And she went through all these sodas and I was like, wow. And then, you know, I was over 18 at the time and the drinking age in the state I was in was 18. So there were all these alcohol choices. I was dumbfounded. And given the choice, I ended up ordering water. Um, (laughs) I didn't have a skill set for making that choice. And that always stuck with me that the process of reasoning is something that I think is missing a lot with the kids today. And maybe it always was because I wasn't a parent 20, 40, 60, 80 years ago. But the the process of choosing, really, the kid has to know themselves, know their preferences. And those things can't be handed down by the parent who always knows better. No, it can't. Children have to have experience with choices. And before we get to what the end result is with teenagers, I want to make it really clear that there are times developmentally when a child, it's too overwhelming for them to make a choice. And I'm going to start with the basics because I always do. We give two-year-olds a choice between two things and developmentally, they will absolutely tantrum somewhere between two and three because the choice is too much for them. What they think is that Um, I don't know how to choose. I want this. A perfect example is suppose you have a a two-year-old who is standing in the doorway. They see a truck. They see their mom. I want the truck. I want my mom. I want the truck. I want my mom. They have absolutely no idea how to choose. So they sit down and tantrum. An older child will have a problem with the choice and they think it's because the choice that they are rejecting 
will never come back again. So you have to add something when you give them a choice and say, of course, you can try that again in five minutes or you can have that choice again tomorrow. So there's a pr- there's a, a process with choices. You don't just ask a child to have a, uh, to make a choice. And then when they can't, you get frustrated and you argue and they get, you know, or you yell. So you need to know a little bit about that. As kids get older, you have, you have to allow children to have enough experiences with choices. If you take away their, their opportunity for choice, if a parent gets in there and makes choices for them because she knows what they're, what they want, then the child will use the opportunity, um, will take the moment when they're in the peer group to learn how to make choices. And unfortunately, they'll make the choices that the peer group would make, and that's not always a good choice. They won't base their choices on the wisdom that they've gained as a result of the experience. So yeah, you know your kid really well, and yeah, you have the opportunity to make a choice for them. But is that really serving the child? Sometimes you have to pull back. At the beginning, in the first segment, I said releasing your children to themselves bit by bit. This is one of those moments with choices. Stand back. Force your child to make a choice. Help them, support them, and guide them. But get them used to it. Because if you don't, they will choose what the peer group chooses instead of the wisdom from their experience. Well, and I think they'll resent you too. Like I see, I see kids that have these parents that make all their choices for them. Um, you know, two scenarios come to mind. I had a kid over at my house who's, who's get this, you know, 13 years old. He knocked over, uh, he knocked over, I don't know, a cup or something. He knocked over some liquid and then he was like, oh my God, I made a mess. And he didn't, um, he didn't clean it up. He didn't do anything. He didn't, he was frozen. And it's like, this is a kid that's been in my house multiple times. He's not, he's not, uh, you know, not, there's nothing, you know, wrong with him or anything. It's just that the mom has done everything for this kid. And I said, there, see that paper towel right in front of the spill, take it, wipe it up. And then he wipes it up and then he's holding it. And I'm like, see that trash can right by your knee, um, you know, throw it out. And, and, you know, there's, I can see in some of the kids' peers, the kids who have been empowered, the kids who can make choices, the kids who've had everything done for them. And, you know, I don't sit in judgment and go, my kid's better than your kid. I feel sad because these are the kids that are going to go to college and not know how to do laundry or be totally like bewildered by the way life works because they haven't had some of these basics. And I'm going to give some of the basics from my other parenting class and the counselor that I used um, as a single parent. I, I went, I do go to a counselor every week and I talk over questions that I have because my mom is dead and I don't have other than Sharon and a couple handful of people parenting advice I can trust. And the lady that I go to, I trust her advice and I talk about things. And one of the things that she had, and I'd love you to weigh in on this, um, Sharon is, is this idea of letting your kids make choices. Like I will let them make choices sometimes with food. Do you want eggs or pancakes? Do you want tonight for dinner? Do you want rice? Do you want noodles? Do you want potatoes? And it's fun to do this because the kids feel that they have a say in things. And when they have a say in things, they're much less likely to reject or to to throw a fit because it's something they don't want or like and I've been criticized by saying you know what you give your kids choices and they run the show but at the end of the day Sharon 
if I say to my kids, what do you guys want tonight? You want you want chicken or pork? And they say, let's have chicken. And I say, you want me to make rice or, or potatoes or, or noodles? And they say, you know, potatoes. And then I only have green beans. So, you know what? Too bad you got green beans. When I put that dinner together and I put it down on the table, I don't have, yuck, I don't want this. And it's not that they didn't, they didn't tell me what to do. What I did was I brought them into the decision-making process because really, I really could care less what we have to eat. And if I really wanted something, I wouldn't give them the choice. But making it a collaborative effort means we sit down to dinner, everybody eats without lip or without arguing. You know, I, I agree with you 100%, and I have a bigger picture here. What you're basically doing without even being totally aware of it is by giving your children choices with the little things and getting them really used to exercising that muscle and creating, I call it a muscle, it's an emotional muscle. You're creating the emotional muscle of how to make a choice. What you're basically doing is you're preparing them for life. Because when they leave your home, they're going to be saddled with all the huge decisions that they have to. And if they've never had the opportunity to exercise that emotional muscle of choice, then when they're hit with the little things and the big things, they're going to bail. They're going to look to their peers and they're going to adopt things that, are, that don't resonate with their values, that don't resonate with who they truly are. So by giving children choices, you're not giving away the farm. You're preparing them for life, and that's a brilliant thing to do. Now, what happens when those choices don't work out? You use the word outcome, and I think that that's a really brilliant word. And the reason I like it so much is because you have to ask kids when they make a choice, and this, again, is releasing them to themselves bit by bit, and this is where consequences come in. It's like, what what is the outcome? Let's talk about the outcome before we talk about the consequence of what happened. Is this what you expected would happen? What did you think would happen when you did that? That is as valuable as any type of conversation that you can go have with your child. It's really important because you want them to be able to think, if I do this, what will happen? But if you don't give them choices, if you don't ever discuss it, they'll never connect that what I do now and what happens are connected. So always ask your child, is this what you expected would happen? What did you think would happen? What do you want to do now that it has happened? Well, and it's funny because this we had this kind of conversation with my son, my older son, about this girl he liked. And he was like, well, maybe I should ask her to the dance now or maybe I should ask her in high school when I'm older and I actually have money and a car or, you know, things like that. And we started playing this thing back and forth. And the ultimate decision was if you ask this girl to the dance, her ticket comes out of your comic book money. And that, that was the end of that. Um, <laughs> but having this discussion of going what if and allowing your kids to use their imagination and develop their future problem solving skills and again I go back to my corporate America terms problem solving skills future skills look at the outcomes um, but I think they're really they really resonate with kids especially with the preteen teen that are on that bubble between I think I'm an adult but you know you look at them go like you're so a little kid but you know that's where the disconnect is when we come back from the break we're going to talk 
talk a little bit more about consequences and outcomes and how to really teach our kids and prepare them, as Sharon said, to prepare them for this next stage when we are not around there to pick up all the pieces. We'll be back after the break. Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky. Stay with us, there's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. You gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger You gotta be cool, you gotta be calm You gotta stay together All I know, all I know, love will save the day If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance Wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can With Lessons in Joyful Living With your host, Kimberly Rinaldi Mondays at noon central Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches lessons in joyful living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I dot com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. News Daily reported a story from CareerBuilder that gave some humorous examples of actual job interview blunders. One Boris Norris candidate decided to take off his shoes during the interview. Probably not the best idea, even if you don't have smelly feet or podobromhidrosis. Another job applicant brought a how-to-interview book with him to the interview. Then he asked, what company is this again? And my favorite, the candidate who asked for a sip of the interviewer's coffee. That will cause a latte problems, and also it's a bit bumptious. And finally, one job applicant asked the interviewer if they could wrap it up quickly, because he had another appointment. And a special thanks to our armed forces, men and women serving at home and abroad. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Sharon Silver of ProactiveParenting.net, and we're talking about consequences. Another word for consequences is outcomes. And talking to your kids, I think from the get-go, is really helpful, but if you haven't, you can start implementing it, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. But asking your kids, you know, when your kids talk to you and they tell you what they're thinking or what you're doing, I think in a lot of us, the natural reaction is to correct and instruct. And what I found, I've got one kid that's really teachable or coachable, like in my my business terms, I've got a coachable kid and I've got a not coachable kid. And (laughs) I think as they go from 
elementary school to preteen to teen, um, they in some ways become less and less coachable. And, you know, and part of it is they're pulling away from mom and dad and that's okay. I mean, that's part of their, you know, identification process or whatever the word is. But um, when they become less coachable, I'll say, I found that walking them through kind of a thought process has helped my kids a lot. And Sharon, I'm going to share with you one of the things that I made it up. It's not like anything I learned. So it could be good, bad, or indifferent. Feel free to criticize me because if I'm not doing it right, you know, better I learn now. Um, I always tell my kids, like, you know, when you're thinking about doing something, do a head check, heart check, gut check. And Think about it in your head. Like, what's going to happen? What is going to happen if I do X, Y, and Z? And think about it logically. Then think about the outcomes and feel it in your heart. And this was hard for me because I didn't really get in touch with my emotions till later in life. And so really feeling it in my heart was was hard for me. And my kids are much better at it because they're like, you know, if it sounds good in your head but doesn't feel good in your heart, there's a red flag. And then the other thing I ask them to do is this gut check because I really do believe and science is finally proving that the um, the stomach has all these nerves in it you know very much like neural patterns in the brain which is why we feel butterflies or get an upset stomach or nervous so I tell my kids to feel like what's in your gut and don't go with any one because if you're just logic your logic could be wrong if you're just heart you know emotions change you can love something one hour and two hours later not love it anybody who shops on Amazon and pushes the the buy button knows this to be true. I always put my Amazon order together. Then I pay for it the next day because I look back and go, what was I thinking? Um, That's perfect. You know, I I just want to stop you right there and say what your Amazon order is the key to this because uh, not only is your, your, your mind, your heart and your gut totally accurate, but what you also have done was what I was going to add to this. And that's your Amazon order. What we forget to tell children is it is totally okay. It is 100% appropriate to take a breath and wait a moment before you make a decision. Something that I am learning very clearly in a completely different way right now. There, it, It's something we just, we live in an instant messaging society. So we think that as parents, we have to handle everything right this moment. We do not. In fact, it is far better if you take a breath, if you take a moment, because that's when you decide, does it serve my child if I give them the answer or does it serve my child if I have my child figure out the answer? So, you know, you're, you're really dead on here. And I did it with my kids and I called it the shit detector. It was the (laughs) only time they were ever allowed to use the word shit, but they loved it. And I have to tell you a great story. So I told my children, you know, your mind is going to tell you something. Your heart's going to tell you how it feels to you and how it might feel to somebody else. Your guts are going to tell you whether or not, you know, it feels safe and it feels accurate. You put them all together and that's your shit detector. It's almost as if, you know, there's a space between your body and something else out there that gets ruffled and and you need to be aware of that. And that'll tell you if you're walking into danger. So my older one... He he was my adventure, still is my adventure. Um, He goes to Europe after high school, and he's backpacking around Europe. He took everything I could to let him go because I'm just more concrete than that. Anyway, I get a call from him after he has been in Spain. And he goes, Mom, Mom, I got to tell you. And I said, what? And he goes, 
that shit detector stuff that you taught us all our life, it really works. I'm walking through a market in Spain and I have this feeling in my back and I reach behind me and I grab a gypsy's hand. She was putting her hand in my pocket to try and take my wallet. And not only did I catch her, but all the people in the market came to me and said, nobody ever catches a gypsy. And they, and they applauded me. They said, wow, we're amazed. And he said, my mom taught me about my shit detector. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, and, you know, I had to learn this again as an adult because, to be fair, like, you know, my dad is a really honorable, honest man. My mom was very honest and honorable. So I never felt like they were lying to me. And then, you know, like, especially my brothers, like, there was never an a time that I felt like threatened or hurt or scared. So when I went out into the dating arena, Sharon, I, I thought everybody was wonderful. You know, Mm -hmm. all I ever knew from the men in my life that was that they were fantastic. And so I had to take some bumps and bruises in my relationship life because I didn't know anything other than love and support. And I didn't know enough to put my head check, heart check, gut check hat on and I believed the lies that were told to me and I disregarded my gut instinct I disregarded my heart I disregarded my head and I had to learn the hard way and that was something that I wanted to instill in my kids was to trust their own radar yeah I, I think that that's very very valuable and it is it goes back to releasing your children to themselves bit by bit but what I don't want to see escape here is that you know this segment is all about consequences so I want to really take a moment here and talk about the difference between a punitive consequence and a learning consequence and the steps that are involved I also want to make sure the parents don't feel like you know I, I can't give you a hundred percent of the information because it's very detailed um, but you can find it in my new program, Stop Reacting, Start Responding, the course. It's a year-long membership where every month I'm going to hand out a seminar that will go into the details of this. And um, it's also, you can purchase just a few things that are in the year-long membership on the website. This one's called um, motiva- uh, Motivating Listening and Cooperation, but it's also in the membership. So let's start with what are the differences? When so you want to start with step one, you have to remember that most parents are doing a consequence where they're just taking something away for the child. I call them punitive consequences because it's actually making the child pay for what they did. The goal is that we want to release them to themselves so they have the opportunity to use what Sandra has really put so brilliantly um, together. Check with your mind, check with your heart, check with your guts and factor that into Now, what do I do? I make a decision. I make a choice. It didn't work out. I have to get a consequence. How do I learn never to do it again? So you want to start by restating the situation and be silent. There is a process to this. You want the child to be able to dig deep and figure this out for themselves, to have these skills when they're in college. So you say, please tell me what happened and why you did this. Or you can say, did this work out the way that you hoped it would? What did you think would happen? But you want to get them to restate the situation. Let me put it really clearly to you that children do not like this. They don't like having to walk through what they did again. So that in and of itself is a great learning tool. Yes, honey, we have to redo this. We have to go through this. 
that makes them uncomfortable. And I'm not trying to make children feel uncomfortable, but I want them to gain the wisdom from it. The next part, step two, is you want them to experience the other person's point of view. So you ask them, and here's where the heart part comes in. How did you imagine your sister was going to feel about what you did? Did you think she would care? Did you think she wouldn't care? Did you even give that any thought? You're making them go through this process. You're making them figure this out. Step three, expectations and rules. Please tell me what our family rule is about doing things like this. This is where you're going to get a lot of cooperation because it's not like you're punishing them. What you're doing is you're having them revisit what they've already agreed to, what they already know is true, the family rules. So you might want to write down your family rules. I have something that I'm including in all of the membership. It's called the umbrella rules. They are five or six rules that encompass everything that could possibly happen in life. Like be kind, um, you know, um, share your feelings. All these things, they're global rules that everything can be tucked under them. So you might want to display your rules on your refrigerator. And you would, then you'd say, please tell me what our family rule is about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Step four is the resolution. Here's where you ask your child, how do you plan to pay for or replace what you've done? How are you going to make this right? This is where the actual consequence comes in. This is where your child has to do something that you would give them, um, not real money, but money, um, say, you have to give me your time to pay for this. Something that they have to do that physically creates what's called muscle memory. So they realize it costs me more to have to fix this than not to do it. And the final thing is step five is the apology. The apology is, have you ever heard a kid say a very insincere, sorry, <laughs> okay? We don't want that. We want a genuine apology so the other person really feels like you got it. You got that what you did really hurt me. You got that what you did affected me. And that's what consequences are all about. Now, you know, I go into great detail and I give you a great example in the, in the seminar and show you how to work this out and give you all the language, but that's the basics. That's a learning consequence. And it's far different than give me your cell phone. Well, and I think this is, this is, yes, it's, it's, or taking the video games away or taking stuff away. I have a friend who was going to take Christmas away because yeah. she kept, she kept, you know, leveling up the thing, you know, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. So she kept escalating. Uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about some of these parenting mistakes that we've all made and, you know, how we can, we can do things differently. We're here today with Sharon Silver at practiveparenting.net. This is part of our four part series on yelling, arguing, consequences, and emotions. They all tie in together. We'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Words can bring me down. 
data when someone starts a sentence by saying, don't take this the wrong way, but... According to Elizabeth Bernstein of the Wall Street Journal, we all do this on occasion. Some people refer to these phrases as tee-ups. That seems fitting. What do you do with a golf ball? You tee it up and then give it a giant wallop. Tee-ups like, to tell you the truth, supposedly soften the blow. But if you are taking the trouble to announce your honesty now, maybe you've been telling too many teradiddles, flummery, and fiblets. Being on the wrong side of a tee-up can be confusing for the listener. What are other words for confusion and frustration? Wouldn't dream and jargoggle. Maybe it would be best to try to remain pricknickety. That means totally above board and precise. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Have you ever wondered where the terms used in computer speak originated? The word cookie, that packet of information that travels between a browser and web server, is named after the fortune cookie, a cookie with an embedded message. Rebooting the computer is literally pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The name Google was originally coined in 1938 by Milton Sirota, nephew of mathematician Edward Kasner, during a discussion of large numbers. Uh, Google is the number one, followed by 100 zeros. The word Yahoo was originally invented by Jonathan Swift and used in his book Gulliver's Travels. It's a derogatory term for a person who is repulsive in appearance. Yahoo founders Jerry Yang and David Philo selected the name because they considered themselves Yahoos. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Sharon Silver of ProactiveParenting.net. And I have a question for you, Sharon, because this was one that came up from my younger kid. And, you know, I, I jokingly call them Niles and Frazier because they do remind me a lot of <laughs> the television show. You know, my older son is is tall, and he's he's the knowledge man. He's like Frazier. He's like, he has the answers. And then, you know, my little one is the one with the witty comebacks, and he's much smaller, and he's he's the snarkier and he's the sneaky one and they both get what they want in different ways and they absolutely love each other and they're they really are good to each other most of the time but they do keep me on my toes because part of the training that I've done with them which is the thinking the analyzing why do you do this you know a lot of the things we're talking about also mean that your kids throw some zingers your way that that you never considered. And one of the things that happened when I put a lot of this consequence stuff into action was my little guy said to me, well, mom, you know, you said you were wrong. You said you were sorry. So like, what, what now? Like what? And basically he's saying, what is the consequence for you as the parent? Because I think some of the times in a family dynamic, there's an unfairness there that, and get, granted, the kids don't rule the roost. I get that. But it's like the child can make a mistake and say they're sorry, and then they have a consequence. But what happens, and he said this, when the parent makes the mistake and they say they're sorry, well, what's the consequence? Well, I think that that's a really valid point, and I don't know that everybody is going to really agree with it, and that's up to everybody. Um I, I believe that parents should absolutely be part of this, not in the consequence 
part of the equation, but in the I'm sorry part of the equation. If we're trying to get our kids to make a genuine apology versus just a flippant I'm sorry or sorry, um, which drives me crazy and I hear all the time, um, you want to do something that I've included in in the membership uh, series here. It's called a makeup. And I learned this from um, a, a program that I taught years ago called RCB. And what it is, is that you basically get a, a recipe box. And in the recipe box, you know how there's categories for, you know, baking and stuff. You make each category a person in the family. So in your family, there'd be mom, there'd be grandpa, and there'd be the two kids. And each person gets a set of index cards and they write down three or four things, one per card, that would make them feel better when somebody is uh, offends them, does something wrong, or needs to apologize in some way. Now, the key here is that the parent is the one who decides when they need to make the amends. So because you're dealing with children here. So you say, I'm sorry, you have to go and get, you know, I think this person really deserves a makeup. But the child gets to go into the index box and choose what he chooses to do, what he wants to do to say, I'm sorry. So when my kids would argue and and suck my energy and take my time as teenagers and or they would procrastinate, not do chores or something, whatever it was, they knew that if they drew me a bath, a hot bath and left me alone for an hour, that that was their way to apologize. I knew that if I could take one of their chores for them, that was my way of apologizing to them. Or if I let them have an extra hour out when they were, you know, at curfew time or, you know, something like that. That is a great way to show kids I'm genuine. I really do mean I'm sorry. This is not just a flipping thing. We're a family. We're a unit. We're a team. We're human beings. And I think it really works. Well, I do, too, because I, I do the chore thing, you know, like my older one, he's responsible for, you know, putting his laundry downstairs and and, you know, I'll wash it and sort it. Sometimes he'll do it. But, you know, he's got to fold it and put it away. And and sometimes the way I'll say, like, look, you know, and I'll tell him, you know, look, today I, I did your laundry. I folded up and put it away so you didn't have it. It's my way of saying sorry that I yelled at you for X, Y and Z. And, you know, I think making it clear like that, I look at my kids and go, you know, they're boys and they're going to grow up to be men and they're going to be married someday. And, you know, they both talk to me about like what they like in girls, what they want in a wife, what they want in this. You know, my little one said to me recently, a girl got out of out of the van in front of us and she had like on a sparkly top and a sparkly skirt for school. You know, the ways the girls dress today, they look like like Gwen Stefani. But he mm-hmm. looked at me and he said, hey, mom, he goes, I really like that. He says, my wife's going to wear that. He goes, but she's she's not going to wear it out in public. She's going to wear it just for me. And, you know. <laughs> I laughed and, you know, you know, these are the kind of conversations we have and it's good and it's, I think it's healthy and it's normal. But when I look at my kids and I see, I want my sons to know how to make repairs in their marriage and their first relationship is kind of with me. And so if I can teach them, Hey, when you're wrong, you know, like my kids will like my little guy, he'll say, well, do you want me to rub your foot? And he'll rub my foot. Cause he knows like, you know, I, I work out a lot. So sometimes my feet are tired and he'll say, he's sorry. And he'll say, I'll rub your foot. And I said, okay. Cause a lot of it in this consequence and the reparation of a, an affront or an insult or a mistake is not only 
learning how to um how to how to do it but how to receive it because that's the one thing that i see is puzzling in some of my kids friends they don't know how to receive something from a from a parent or an adult or a peer who's saying they're sorry yeah they don't know and a lot of times you have to think about well who am i actually sending this to because for women for girls they are um girls work things through the emotions and guys work things out through the physical So if you physically do something as an action for a a male child, they'll feel the real apology. If you do something sweet and you spend emotional time with a girl, she'll really feel it and she'll get that apology. Um, So you have to, that's not always the case. And, you know, I don't want to be gender specific here, but, um, but that is one thing you can take into consideration. That is how the brain processes. There is some gender stuff that goes on with the brain. Michael Gurian is the person who is my go-to for all gender specific stuff. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But the bottom line is it, it is important. You have to remember that the family system is where we are teaching the next generation about their family system. So, what do we really want our kids to take with them? And do we want to be doing everything for our children? And consequences, I have to take a drink of water, excuse me. Sure. <coughs> excuse me. Consequences is an opportunity in the way that I stated in the last segment, is an opportunity, oh, I'm going to do it again, <coughs> is an opportunity to take kids step by step through a process that they'll rely on when they're by themselves and how to check themselves and how to work out um, how does another person feel in as a result of what I've done? How do I make amends? What do people actually hear? How does it really feel real? And on and on and on. That's what consequences are about, in my humble opinion. Well, and I like that because... You know, the consequences, it's not just, you know, you do this, you get this taken away. It's it's putting the kid or the parent in the other person's shoes. Because one of the things that I've learned from, like, investigating your kid's thought processes is that I learn from them. Like, I realize, like, uh, there's not just my way of thinking. There's just not my interpretation. And a couple times I've, I've done, you know, this kind of consequence, you know, the, 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 the pattern that you're teaching um, or the procedure that you're teaching. And my kids will come back and where I'll say that person will be mad. Um, my kids have said things like, well, maybe that person, like I would feel relieved. And I'm like, huh? Well, I never thought of it that way that they might feel relieved. And so I could see how my kid made the choice he did, because when we make choices, we, we, we try to guess at the outcome. And I'm going to give an example from my, my old corporate days when I ran my real estate office in Beverly Hills. There was a couple that sold their house and they were in their late 70s. And um, I really liked this couple, Sharon. And they sold their house. This was their house for 55 years. They'd raised their children in there. They had had a lot of memories in this house. Well, 
at the 11th hour, the deal <laughs> fell apart. And this was the longest drive of my real estate career up this long canyon to their house. And I had to tell this elderly couple that were in the process of moving and packing that the deal fell apart. And I thought, oh, God, it's going to give this guy a heart attack. And I really didn't want to have this conversation. I was sweating bullets the whole 20 minute drive up the canyon. I was actually physically sick by the time I rang their doorbell. Well, we go in their living room and we sit down. And I tell them that the deal fell apart and the lady starts to cry. And Sharon, I wanted to fall through the floor. And she leans over to me and she hugs me and she says, oh, I'm so happy. And I'm like, what? She's like, we realized in packing and cleaning up and getting the house ready for sale, we don't want to leave. And I thought to myself, boy, I blew it on this one. Like I... I put my own feelings, my own everything in here. And I was 100% wrong. I got so upset for no reason. And that's when I learned, you know what? There's just the news. It's not good news. It's not bad news. It's just the news. And so I've really had to take a step back with my kids and allow them to have their own interpretation as a as a kid. Because... If I can blow it as an adult, they can blow it as a kid. Everything that I've talked about in this series is going to prepare you to value the experience that your children have because children bring wisdom to the party as well. Their job, whether they know it or not, is to shine the light on something that possibly you are unaware of. And if you're open to that, it's a great gift. My kids have taught me tons of stuff, tons. Wow, Sharon. You know what? It's been another great show. Sharon Silver, ProactiveParenting.net. We have another show next week, number four. We're going to talk about emotions, feelings, how to show them, how to not show them. I'm a stuffer. Uh, other people are expressors. There's all different different ways to, to skin a cat on this. But we're going to talk <clears throat> a lot about this with Sharon Silver. I want to thank you for being our guest today. Find out more about her at ProactiveParenting.net. We'll be back. Back next week with our show on feelings, showing, and managing emotions. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood Talk Radio.